Breakfast with the Beak is brought to you by Merkel's Merkins, Germany's favorite pubic wig. Merkel's Merkins. Oh, mein Gott. Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick. I'm Dr. Heisenberg. Good morning, Big Nicks. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning. And good morning to all you nice folks out there in podcast country. Yeah. That's a good name for it. Podcast country? Gonna be calling it that from now on. There's gotta be... Actually, it sounds better than, like, Radioland or something, because yeah. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it's not Radioland, but Podcast Land sounds stupid. Podcast country. Yeah. Why are people not getting on the bandwagon with that one? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I would love to take all the credit for that. Right. Also, to have people do it, whatever. Because you got, like, shows like Scarborough Country, but, you know, yeah, that's its own thing. That's its own country. Yeah, Podcast Country. Yeah, you guys are already here on TV. Yeah. So, anyway. Right. So, what's been up this week? Uh, I got nothing. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. It was Halloween. We put on costumes. We got stupid. We came home. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little out of my rhythm this week. Because, like, you remember because of Halloween we recorded last week's show early? It's been like ten days since we did this, and we're back on schedule now. And I'm I'm trying to remember, you know, all the people out there in podcast country. i got to get it back in my head. That you're all sitting there in your cubicles, in your underwear, over your cereal, whatever it is you do. Yeah. Headphones at church. Probably masturbating, whatever. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, the sweet, sweet sound of our voices. Oh, yeah. Know, it's, uh, yeah. it's natural. Yeah, no. It's, it's uh, If it feels right, you know. Yeah. Just chase it. You you put up, uh, like, a what? big... <laughs> no, no, listen. You put up a picture of, like, Michael Fassbender... Okay, you know, so so the fastbender bod, but then our voices. Yeah, both of us. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like two fastbenders just talking like us. <laughs> or so, or uh, you're welcome, ladies, or, and probably some dudes. Or what's another? Wait, 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 wait. I got an idea here. What's the what's another fastbender grade hunk that's current? I don't know, Ryan Gosling. I'm sure, Ryan Gosling. Chicks dig Ryan Gosling. The fastbender and the Gosling. You put up pictures of them shirtless. And then you listen to our show, and then it's best of both worlds. Or maybe Ryan Gosling just wearing the scorpion jacket. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then you can decide which one of us is is them. And uh, if Gosling's wearing the jacket, I call Gosling. Okay, that's fine. No, but I, if he's not, then whoever, I don't care. Oh, I have to be Fastbender. Oh, boo hoo. Darn. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, that is not a problem. All right, so we've worked out who's who, depending on what jacket is on. This is yeah. That's a that's a that's a solid plan. Yeah, I yeah. like this plan. Yeah, yeah, good plan. And then and then like uh, uh, that can be your own private Breakfast with the Beak fan movie. Like if they made a movie about. The based on this show? I mean, obviously that is who would be playing us. Well, yeah, because we're not going to play ourselves. No, but we would need somebody as ruggedly handsome as us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You get some uh, some quality blockbuster hunks. You get the super hunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're making a Breakfast with the Beak movie. Rally the super hunks. That's exactly what would happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would... Uh, Call the banners, yeah. I would pay to see this movie. I I would download it. <laughs> <laughs> but mean, I'd give it my full attention one night at 2 a.m. I might wait two years until it was on Netflix. Yeah, or FX, whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm going to get around to watching Hunger Games any week now. Sure you are. Maybe. Eh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's a thing that people like. Yeah. 
That's a lot of things. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah. Speaking of things people like. Yeah. Let's find out what somebody out there likes and wants us to talk about. That's a good plan. That was my segue. I'm getting better. (laughs) (laughs) See, the problem is you telegraph it at the end. (laughs) You can't telegraph it after it's already over. I'm recapping. (laughs) That's why it's problematic. (laughs) Well, you know what? What? I think people understand what I did there. I think we got a smart audience. Can't argue with that. Otherwise, I would be belittling the demographic, and that is bad for business. Also, if dumb people liked us, more people would like us. Yeah. There's more of them. Like Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's roll. Okay. Okay, that is a 26. Holy shit. What's stopping number 26, Johnny? Let's find the hell out. Okay. <clears throat> book to screen. Favorite and least favorite cinematic adapta- adaptations of books. Submitted by Derek in Redmond, Oregon. Thank this you. time I remembered where you live. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Always a pleasure. That's a big topic. Book it to is. screen. Favorite and least favorite cinematic adaptations. I don't approve of adaptations. At, at all? I'm going to put that right out there. Oh. I think 90% of the time... Adaptations, bad idea. I would agree with that 90% number. Sturgeon's Law is in full effect on adaptations. Well, that's true. That's true. But I have a more specific reason that's adaptation-based. Not just because most things are crap. Most things are. Statistically, yes. But but more than that, a specific to this particular scenario issue. Because uh, artistically, when someone is, is writing something, whether it be a script or a book, or an album, or whatever. Yes. It's being written for a specific medium. Correct. You know, a, a novel, or a comic book, or something. Yeah. Like, the way you write it is different from the way, way you write uh, a TV script, or a movie. Exactly. And, yeah, so, like, so like uh, you take something with... Even something that's good, yeah. with, like, a ton of depth, like Game of Thrones, yeah. you're going to have a shit ton of stuff left out or moved around. Yeah. Like, they're doing so many changes yeah, well, to make it work as a show. Like, the show, when they started off, said, you know, we're going to do no flashbacks and as few dream sequences as possible. Right. But so much of the book is told through characters reminiscing mm-hmm. that we need to slot that information in somewhere else. Yeah. Or just... Hopeful, hope and pray that in book seven it doesn't turn out to be crucial to the plot. Right. And like, and like Game of Thrones is, is so good yeah. that it's like a huge outlier. Oh yeah. Like yeah. almost every time you get an adaptation of a book turned into a movie. Yes. Like, it's not even the same thing anymore. I mean, the prime example of this one, and this is an adaptation I'm pretty fucking middle of the road on. This is neither favorite nor least favorite. Okay. Probably closer to least, but middle of the road. Uh-huh. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. One because of my favorite books. One of my favorite books ever. Like, a book that has influenced me probably more than most others, because I read it way too young. Like, probably yeah. before I should have. No, yeah. I was, and, uh, I remember that. I did that, too. Yeah, a lot of people did. Yeah. I passed it around to my friends, man. I was getting other people hooked. It was it was, uh, it was was in the sci-fi library. It was. Yeah. Well, the point is that, you know, the dialogue in that book is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And the sequences which are excerpted from The Hitchhiker's Guide right. are pretty funny. Right. But a vast majority of the humor in that book comes from just the narration, just... 
Douglas Adams describing things that is that are happening. Yeah, it is, and that huge on exposition, completely lost in the film because all all of that exposition that doesn't come from the guide right. and that isn't in the dialogue, yeah, just disappears. So, like very early in the in the book. Uh-huh. You know, there's a great line when the ships, when the alien ships first show up on Earth, and it says that the the ships were hanging overhead exactly the way bricks don't. Right. That's a brilliant line. I ruined it in the delivery just now. Sure. But uh, there's just no way to put that in a movie. No. It sounds completely unnatural in dialogue. The best thing you can do is just show the ships hanging there. Yeah. And hope that somebody in the audience is like, Bricks don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it gets clunky too because like you have in order to make it work at all, mm-hmm. they had to do very elaborate like animation sequences yeah. to pad out the narration. Well, exactly. They did that on the T V series as well. They did. And I do prefer not just because it was, you know, better technology used to make them, but also the style I prefer in the film actually. Yeah, that's fair. But at the same time, that also means that, yeah, to, to make the movie feel even remotely like the book, uh-huh. there are these five-minute stretches where the storyline stops and you just watch a cartoon. Right. Yeah, which is weird for a movie. Which is weird for a movie. I mean, like, but people who know the book uh-huh. probably, I certainly liked it, yeah. and other people who know the book probably loved it, but yeah, it, people who don't know that... Right. Have simply never seen a movie like that. Well, that's why it wasn't a box office smash. Yeah. It pretty much only worked for pre-existing fans. Yeah. But Hitchhiker's Guide is a unique example because the book is an adaptation. The book is an adaptation the, of the radio show. It was a radio drama first. Yeah. And that worked based on the rules of serialized BBC radio. Yeah. Where Adams was, like, busting out the scripts, like, a few days before recording. Sometimes during recording. Yeah. And on-the-fly cliffhangers, disjointed plots that may or may not ever get sewn up. Exactly. And, like, when they asked him to turn it into a novel, he could just kind of branch out as much as possible, which is why radio to book worked. But then... Yeah, you can get bigger. Yeah, yeah, but then to compact it back down into a single film... Yeah. It's just... He had to cha- they had to change so much. I mean, like, and the thing is, there is a perfect model for that because the first book mm-hmm. covers roughly the first four episodes of the show. Right, that's two hours. Yeah, it's the length of a movie. Right, they had a way to do this, and they just they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> yeah, they, there's a lot of stuff they changed. Yeah, like the the ending of that movie is completely different. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. Whatever, whatever. It was okay, it was not great. Right. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about favorite and least favorite. Right. I mean, but but the other thing you get, I I realize I'm I'm brushing what you just set aside. Yeah. Go nuts. You remember when we talked about The Running Man? Yes. The movie is nothing like the book. They changed everything but the title. Yeah. And... Maybe some of the names are the same. I'm not even positive on that. And that happens a lot. Yeah. Like, and it, it gets more brutal than, like, the Battleship movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that it's Battleship based, wasn't a book. It's it was based a on game. a board game. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the source material. But it, it gets that far out there. Like, uh, uh, Congo is another example. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I've never read the book, but my understanding is the movie is not what happens in the book at all. I actually did read the book during that sort of Michael Crichton boom in the 90s when, like, all of his books were getting optioned after Jurassic Park. Right. And I read that one, and then the movie comes out, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, hey, I read that. Can I go see it? And my uncle takes me, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, that, that, none of those people were in the book. (laughs) 
Yeah. Some of them kind of had the same names or similar names, and there was a gorilla. But my God, that was that was a departure right there. And uh, and this is why I don't like another reason I don't approve of adaptations. Like a novel written as a novel is a specific piece of art. You you option it to make movie money. And put the name on it, mm. and say it's based on da da da, and you make another movie that's crap, and it's like, what the fuck is the point of that? Yeah. It's not artistically unique. It is clearly just a, a half-assed cash grab. Well, exactly. I mean, and the thing is, like, movies based on things that aren't books mm. or plays, I guess. But like, well, plays are different. Plays are a full script that runs about the same length as a movie. Yeah, a play turned into a movie that usually works because it's already a script. But thing, yeah. things that aren't books that get turned into movies. I'm talking video games, board games, theme park rides. Right. You know, always, always turn out terrible. I mean, like a board game, a theme park ride, there's no storyline. Yeah. Video games usually have a storyline that they completely ignore for the movie. Oh, yeah. Super Mario Brothers, Street Fighter. Yeah. I mean, all of the, uh, all of the Uwe Bowl, uh, adaptations. Yeah. Silent Hill. All of those, they just are like, hey, we have this story already, let's throw it out and start over. And then they wonder why people are like hate their movies, and their movies all bomb and suck. I can't name a single film based on a game that doesn't suck. I can't either. I don't know that one exists. I mean, that day might come someday... But it is not this day. <laughs> no, and, and, and that's exactly the thing. Like, I mean, a video game, except for the rare occasions where you can make it out of whole cloth, like, uh, you know, a super independent company that does everything. Yeah. Like, you know, like to the level of, like, 2D Boy or something. Yeah, yeah, like World of Goo. Yeah. yeah. A, a game is almost always a huge staff. Tons of writers, producers, programmers, The kind of game animators. that turn into movies are. Right. They're made by, yeah, these are multi-million dollar, these are projects, which on their own are, at this point in history, approaching the size of feature films. Right. So, like, like, it's not one person's vision anyway. No. So, it's always going to be more committee-driven. But a game works on its own unique rules. You could make a Super Mario Brothers movie that is absolutely true to the game... But it would be bonkers. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the thing with Super Mario Brothers in particular yeah. is that it's, the whole point of that series is just be fun to play. Yeah. Make some new shit for Mario to jump over. Mm-hmm. What's the plot? Princess kidnapped again? Who gives a shit? You're not here for the plot. <laughs> You're here because they've got a new bunch of, a bunch of stuff yeah. for you to jump over and maybe new suits to wear. Right. You're there to play the game and have fun playing the game. Sure. So, you know, no, maybe don't make a movie about that. But as for books, since that is what he asked about, uh-huh. and we're a good long ways into this show now. Well, you know. Yeah, that's how we roll. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the golden boy of literary adaptations in, in cinema, uh-huh. Lord of the Rings. Okay. Because, I mean, these were, you know, these, these were movies that made a billion dollars. The third one fucking swept the Oscars. These are... Popular and critically adored films. They are, and I would say genuinely enjoyable to watch. They are. I've seen all of them many times. I'm not ashamed to admit that. They're, as movies go, they're actually good movies. They're good, fun movies to watch, but they're also, you know, they're, they're fun, but they're not just dumb fun. They're a little deeper. They do, 
they do manage to work in some of Tolkien's language and his poetry. And, I mean, they have to change some stuff. They have to leave some stuff out. There's no Tom Bombadil. Nobody breaks off for a five-page song at any point. True. But... And great casting as well. Wonderful casting. Yeah. But I mean, like, I recently reread the books, Mm -hmm. and it had been a while, and I had forgotten of how much of the movie are straight from the books. Uh Like, there are so many lines in the movie where I'm like, well, this is a line that was obviously dumbed down for the audience. Right. And then I see that same line in that same spot in the book. Yeah. (laughs) Or even, like, uh, lines that appear in one scene that got cut from the films or bits of narration that aren't in the dialogue. Uh-huh. Those will pop up in the dialogue of the movies like they found ways to work them in. So okay. they've got lots of Tolkien's original language in the films, which is always, you know, a nice little bonus for the fans. Well, that is cool. Yeah. I mean, if you can bring it as close to the original vision as possible, yeah. that that's which, a responsible adaptation. I'm going to say they did not, but the stuff that... <laughs> They, they did have to change a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but I feel like when they changed things, it, it was more often than not in the spirit of the book. Yeah. It was done in a way that's like they had, they, they accepted from day one, we have to make our own thing, we're making our own ver- version of this story. Right. It's not just going to be a perfunctory running down the list of what happens in the book. Yeah. But what we do keep in or what we do have to change, we're going to try to keep it similar to the the style, similar to the spirit of the original. You could definitely tell that Peter Jackson gave it crap. Yeah, no, he hired, like, guys who were professional Tolkien illustrators. Yeah. You know, and he hired people who were experts in his languages and his poetry and stuff. Right. As consultants for the film. He did his homework, and his team did their damn homework. That being said and acknowledged, I know exactly what you're going to say, so bring it on. The Hobbit the movies. The fucking Hobbit. Movies. Movies. We've only seen the one so far. Are they making two or three? They're I can't making even remember. three. Alright. Uh, now, I'm not the first person to make this point. It's the no, shortest. You're not the first person at this table to make this point. It is <laughs> the shortest and simplest of the Tolkien Middle books. Earth books. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and all of them. Silmarillion, etc. It's for children. It's, it was written as a children's book. It yeah. wasn't even part of the larger Middle Earth universe. It, was, it wasn't originally intended to be. He folded it in afterwards. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I don't... I mean, I've seen the first one, mm-hmm. and it's all over the place. You know, that's the thing. The, the Lord of the Rings movies, Yeah. even though the shortest one is over three hours long, uh-huh. you don't really feel the length of them like you do in The Hobbit. You feel those those hours. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I get sort of what Jackson is doing. He's trying to pull in other elements that were going on in, like... Yeah, yeah, like the appendices and shit. Like, oh, what else was Gandalf doing while this was happening? That kind of stuff. And, like, I get what he's trying to do in terms of... Uh, uh, incorporating elements that aren't in The Hobbit. The thing is, even though he's pulling in stuff from the appendices and stuff from, like, the other material that Tolkien wrote over the years... Yeah. He was explicitly forbidden on this film to use any of Tolkien's books except The Hobbit. So, for all of the extra Hobbit stuff, like mm-hmm. the uh, Gandalf and Galadriel and Saruman all meeting and stuff, and uh-huh. Radagast with bird shit on his hat and stuff... Right. He's having to 
take what he knows happened mm-hmm. and then tweak it and change it slightly so it doesn't exactly match Tolkien's original ideas. Why? Because why? He, why not leave that out is a good question to ask right now. Well, yeah, like if you can't use... I mean, as you just pointed out, one of the great things about the Rings movies is that it, so much of it draws directly from the source material. Yeah, I mean... If and- he's forbidden from... Using the source material, then why... Why tweak it and change it to skirt copyright? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and The Silmarillion, if you want to put them all in that order, even though The Silmarillion is chronologically first whatever. Right. Publication order. Yeah. They follow this this sort of arc that a lot of fantasy has. Uh Uh-huh. Where it starts off... Strictly for kids and very silly and very kind of cutesy. Right. And then gradually becomes bigger and more epic and also darker. Yeah, Harry Potter and so forth. Well, Harry Potter is very guilty of that, and I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. But, uh, like, the, the thing is, the Lord of the Rings, part of the reason they work is because the Hobbit's not in them. Right. You know, it starts at this baseline of epicness and darkness. Yeah. The first thing we see in that movie is the Dark Lord forging his rings, you know? Right. And then, you know... Bilbo's story is, you know, a cuter, kind of simpler time in Middle-earth before the Dark Lord had risen again. Yeah. And then the thing is, the stuff with Gandalf and the stuff with Galadriel is more epic and even, like, more cosmic in scale Uh than even anything in Rings. Right. And so that juxtaposed with Rings would feel almost kind of corny. Uh-huh. That juxtaposed with The Hobbit... Yeah. ...is jarring. Like, here's a cute little slapstick band of dwarves getting sneezed on by trolls. Right. Then here are three of the most ancient beings in the world... ...discussing a possible insurgency led by a fourth impossibly ancient being. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right next to a ten-minute song about washing dishes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With a dance. There's a reason that that shit wasn't in The Hobbit, the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a good movie. It's no. just it's just bonkers. And I didn't like Radagast with bird shit on his hat. I feel like he's a little more dignified than that. As as a long-term Radagast fan, yeah. I like that I like that he's a, a he's an old weird wizard man yeah. who's just like Really doesn't even want to deal with people. He really thinks animals are cool. He loves picking and eating strange mushrooms. He's like the crocodile hunter of wizards. <laughs> and the, so, like, I've always liked Radagast from the yes. books, and I was excited that he'd be in a movie. And then I'm like, who is this clown? This guy sucks. He's filthy and nuts. Yeah. It's like, oh, I wanted a fun animal guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, uh, even, like, the, the personalities of the different wizards are explained in, like, some of Tolkien's, like, extra-canonical writings, you know, his unfinished books and stuff. Yeah. His notes. Right. Like, talking about which of the Valar each of the wizards trained under and how that explains what their work is in the world. And, uh-huh. And it's like, that's wonderful stuff. And, oh, man, they they did kind of fuck up Radagast in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I think the Hobbit might, the thing is, the Hobbit is so ridiculously over the top in so many ways. Uh Like, not just the adding in of the epic shit, or the ridiculousness of Radagast, or just the sheer bonkers factor of him riding a rabbit sleigh. 
uh-huh. in a totally unnecessary orc chase sequence. Rabbit Slay, Rabbit Slay seems, I, I had to say it twice because it sounded stupid the first time I said it. Yeah. That's on par with what a, a true to concept Super Mario Brothers movie would be. Yeah. Like if you straight up had a, a thing where a guy was jumping around stomping on mushroom monsters. Yes. Like it's at that level. It is. It's beyond video game and into druggy video game. Uh, well, Japanese video game. Well, you know, it's yeah. like like I could see a rabbit slaying Katamari Damacy. Absolutely. Would that work as a movie? No. no. <laughs> it would be ridiculous. They kill yeah. everybody in that game. Exactly. And they they're happy about it. They're, well, they're always there when you go back to the levels, so it's, they're fine. They're yeah, fine. they're fine. They're actually like smiling and waving while they're in the Katamari ball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun for the family. But yeah, but there's so, and then also the fact that it's 3D with the fucked up 48 frames per second. It's but, excessive in so many ways. It's painful. It's exhausting. It is. It's it's overload. <laughs> it's sensory overload. Is it, an ex- it is an exhausting film watching experience. And that's just the first one. There's two more to come. Oh, Strap in, dum dum. Oh. I feel like we can't. I mean, but I can't. I can't hate it because it's such an ambitious failure, and it made a fuckload of money. But I mean, that's not that's not a criterion for me. But uh, I mean, I'm gonna see the other two. I will some uh, by some method or another. Right. Yeah. But but it's such an ambitious disaster. Yeah. That I can't say it's my least favorite because they didn't half-ass it. <laughs> No, no, they, they, what they did was, uh, they did like Dr. Mephisto in season one of South Park. They put extra asses on it. They, yeah, that is a, that movie is a five ass monkey. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we can't go too far on book to screen adaptations mm-hmm. without uh, discussing what I think is the most often slighted author. Oh? Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick. There he are- has never, I, he's had one that has been passable and one that's been good but totally different. And then a bunch of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So many Philip K. Dick novels and short stories. Yeah. Just terrible movies. Oh, my God. Like I said, uh, Scanner Darkly, I think, was passable. I really I, like that movie. I and, like Scanner Darkly. And uh, Blade Runner, of course, based on Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. Good movie. Lousy adaptation. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, and then there's fucking Paycheck and Minority Report and a bunch of other movies you forgot existed. There are, yeah, th- th- that's the thing. And like, and sometimes you have to swap titles. Yeah, they there change are, the title all the time. There yeah. are dozens yeah. of Philip K. Dick bad movies. Yeah. I can't even oh, remember. Oh, right, right, fucking Total Recall. I mean, oh, total, yeah, total Recall. Total Recall, the original. Yeah. Okay movie, shit adaptation. Total Recall, the remake. Fuck off. It was kind of a fun movie, the first one. It's a good movie, but it's a shit adaptation. Oh, yeah, it's not the book at all. And, yeah, like, Blade Runner is good in spite of the fact that it's not true to the book. Yeah. But that in itself is a rarity. Hell, I mean, you put Schwarzenegger in your movie, it's not an accurate adaptation anymore. I assure you, no author is thinking of Schwarzenegger. That's true. Every Schwarzenegger... Maybe Conan. Maybe... Well, He works as Conan. Well, yeah, but Robert E. Howard was... Dead for decades by then. Well, I realized Robert E. Howard wasn't thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. But he was thinking of... A guy like Schwarzenegger. Yeah, a giant 
Muscle bound Austrian, yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. Like Conan, like the point of the original Conan the Sumerian yeah. uh, stories is that he's from a far off land that may or may not exist anymore, and he's going on adventures and you know killing wizards and saving wenches and acquiring riches and stuff. Yeah, and he is Conan is always foreign, no matter where he is. Yeah. He's always the barbarian, the, yeah. the you know, outlier. The, the outsider, the foreigner, yeah. He doesn't run yeah. into other Sumerians in his stories. He's yeah. always, you know, invading a new land. Yeah. So, like, Schwarzenegger kind of works on that character, but... He does. But, I mean, you put him in Running Man, you put him in Total Recall, <laughs> I assure you. I mean, Stephen King... You know, I don't know exactly when he was writing that. I think it was, like, late 70s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Stephen King in the 80s, obviously, Schwarzenegger was on his radar. He was one of the biggest movie stars in the country. Right. I mean, Philip K. Dick may have been peripherally aware of Arnold Strong. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you never know with Philip K. Dick, because he was kind of off on his own thing most of the time. Yeah, but he saw lots of movies and mentioned them in his books, and a lot well, of his books were semi-autobiographical. Well, true. So, you know, I mean, he could have been aware of Arnold Strong, and I feel like he was not imagining him when he wrote Total Recall. No, no, that's impossible. Probably wasn't thinking about Tom Cruise either. Maybe Harrison Ford. Maybe Like, I could see Harrison Ford working. Well, yeah, I can see Harrison Ford in in one of Philip K. Dick's worlds, you know? Yeah. He's a figure who would fit right in there, because he's fucking tired and pissed. Right. But Keanu Reeves? No. Never. I mean, Keanu Reeves... that That was a William Gibson adaptation, Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Well, that was, wasn't good either. Was was yeah? No, it wasn't good. Yeah. Was Reeves not in any Philip K. Dick movies? Oh, he I feel like he probably was. was. He probably was. Affleck definitely was. The, oh, the problem is there are so many bad Keanu Reeves movies that I yeah. can't remember them all. Hell, I think Constantine originally began as an adaptation of John Constantine from the comics. Yeah, yeah. It was and supposed- somehow he ended up. A black-haired American just fighting demons out on the streets where everyone can see him. What the fuck? Yeah, which is not the comic book character. But not at all. speaking of comic books, which are technically books. Yeah. Ish. What the hell? Okay, first off, they might as well make a separate genre called origin stories. Yeah. Because comic book movies are unwatchable at this point. I don't need everyone's origin story. Let's, like... All right, if it's a character that people don't know quite as much, like Green Lantern is not as famous as Superman. If, God help us, someday we get that Booster Gold movie, we're going to need to know. Okay, yeah, I don't know Booster Gold's origin story. Yeah. But it's like, you don't... don't, He's from the future. Anyway. But, but like, I don't, I don't need to know more about Wolverine's backstory. We Everyone know knows who Wolverine is. And the whole, the whole appeal of Wolverine originally uh-huh. was that nobody knew his backstory, and yeah. now it's been parceled out over years, and it's been retold so many times. Yeah, fuck right off. I don't care anymore. Yeah, he, I don't care if he's two hundred years old and he's got bone claws under his metal claws. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And, and, and comics, when they stick to continuity, which is a whole separate issue. They never do, but who cares? They are, they are so elaborate in their twists and turns and backgrounds and stuff that it doesn't work at all in a movie. Mm -hmm. And it's just, can we make $500 million and sell action figures and costumes? Yeah. And it, but the movies are so formulaic. Oh, that it's the like, first movie in a superhero franchise is yeah. always two hours of 
Well, first an hour of origin story, mm-hmm. and then an hour of slowly coming to terms with the fact that yes, this is I'm going to have to do this for more than a weekend. Yeah, you know, it's like you know what? Fuck off. I'm going to say it again. I've been saying fuck off a lot this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. Fuck off. Okay. How many times have we had to watch Superman's origin story? Every time there's been anything Superman related anywhere. Right. Same deal with Batman. We get Spider-Man's origin story in 2002. Ten years later, here it is again with a new guy. Here's why I think they're, at the very least, bad examples of adaptations. Yeah. Like, because... All right, let's say you're a huge Spider-Man fan. You've been following the comic for decades. You know all the crazy backstories about the clone and the Venom suit and all that shit, right? The movies aren't for you. No. The movies are for people who... Don't read the comics. Yeah. Because they're explaining everything at the beginning for the hundredth time. Yeah. If you're a fan of that stuff, then, like, you already know the really complex... If there's one really exciting ten-issue cycle of Spider-Man that would work as a standalone movie... Yeah. ...will never get made. No. It would be wonderful if somebody would try... But it'll never happen. No. Yeah. No. The only one I think doesn't completely suck is the whole Avengers cycle. Yeah. And and that's still completely separate from the comic. Yeah. It's just they put so much effort into making so many movies to build it its own separate yeah. build up. You know, a lot of people uh, a lot of people don't like the uh, the Hulk movie, the Edward Norton Hulk movie, you know? It was okay. I'll tell you the one thing I liked about it. Yeah. He's already the Hulk. Yeah, that is cool. He's already the Hulk. Yeah. Because there was the, the Eric Bana Hulk movie. Right. Which I don't even know if it's connected to this one at all. I don't know if they're within the same continuity. Probably not because of all the crazy shit with his dad in the, the Eric Bana one. Yeah, I And like the now. weird hallucinatory Hulk clusters and shit. Right. But, uh... Probably nothing to do with the real movie, or the, the Edward Norton movie. But you know what? Who cares? That movie, he's already the Hulk. And then when he comes back in the Avengers and he's Mark Scruffalo, whatever. We're yeah. ready for it. He's already the Hulk. Like, that that's one cool thing about the Avengers movie is that, you like... You got all the origin stories out of the way in the many, many prequels. Yeah, there's no origin story. There, you know, Iron Man and Captain America are out in the woods. Thor shows up. We already know who Thor is. Yeah, we've already seen the Thor movie. We've already seen Captain America. We've seen two Iron Mans at this point, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, well, now three. Three but, Iron Mans. Well, that's... Yeah. But not before Avengers. Oh, right. Yeah. But I'm saying, yeah, we, we get all that already. And then, oh, oh, here comes Hawkeye. Here comes Scarlett Johansson. Are we going to have to sit through watching them become heroes? No. No, they handled that off screen. Yeah, we got it. We're cool. We got, like, five minutes of Scarlett doing uh, some cool spy stuff. We get it. We're yeah, good. We're on we, board. Fine. We character established. Yeah. We know her basic power set. We know what she can do. We know why she's on this team. And it's all made very clear. Through the dialogue and through the framing and all that. Still need more women in those movies, though. Well, it would be nice. Yeah. But uh, but the point is that we don't need the origin story because a little skillful dialogue and editing tells right. us what we need to know. And if any superhero movies could maybe do Because, like, even... Even now, okay, whenever they make another Superman, which is probably just going to keep happening until one of them fucking sticks. There's another one on the way. Yeah, It's but the I, one with Ben Affleck as Batman. But that's the same Superman. Whatever. But I'm saying, like, every time they start Superman over again. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to get that origin story in Smallville. Right. And the thing is, like, they're they're desperate for new ways to do it. Like, in the more recent ones, like in the Superman Returns and in this one, uh-huh. it's always like... 
oh, it's a montage or it's a flashback or it's in the middle of the movie instead of at the beginning, you know, because that way, instead of just uh, watching this same movie that we've already seen, it's like it's a little time in the middle of the story for the the old time fans to fucking get down on their knees and do the Stations of the Cross uh-huh. with Superman. Right. <laughs> Going through the motions. Yeah. Doing the shit he does every year. Yeah. <laughs> like no. Jesus. <laughs> but hell, if we have to say a least favorite, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can name one least favorite. There are so many bad ones. I mean, like all the Philip K. Dick ones. Yeah. A lot of the Stephen Kings. Right. Uh, well, there are so many Stephen King movies. Yeah, I mean, if 90% of them are crap, you still got a few good ones, I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could do a whole thing just on Stephen King shit. Don't, because I don't want to watch them all. I don't want to watch them all either, good God. Ugh. I yeah. do not need to see Thinner again. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> yeah, but there's other shit I didn't even bother to go see. Uh, I didn't see the Perks of Being a Wallflower movie. No. I didn't see the uh, 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 Great Gatsby movie. No. They, they, some of these adaptations look so deplorable as films. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you like the book or, no. or ambivalent to the book. Yeah. It's like, these are going to be garbage. If they ever finally sit down and make uh, a Catcher in the Rye movie, oh. guess what? It is going to be shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean like, that book is already... Overrated? Mind-boilingly overrated. Yeah. But the movie will be ten times worse. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I remember when I saw the fucking, uh, the Golden Compass, the movie, you know? Yeah. I did not pay. <laughs> right. But I had read the book. I had liked the book. And then I see the movie, and it's not just that they, they didn't change the ending. Uh-huh. They just stopped before they got there. Right. Like, everyone just kind of lost interest and went home. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of ends. Like, it doesn't get to the ending in the book or any kind of ending. It's just kind of like, well, we ran out yeah. of, of, of film. Let's just not get more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, uh, like, but also, like, the book, one of the sort of joys of that series uh-huh. is looking at, like, because they go between dimensions in it, Yeah. looking at the different worlds and how they've developed differently and how they have different names for things uh-huh. and figuring out what everything is. And if you know your shit and you do your, do a little research on the side, right. you can vary, or even just pick it up from the context, uh-huh. you can figure out what they're talking about. And then when they did the movie, the rules seemed to be everything that has a different name than our world uh-huh. is completely different and probably magic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, in the books, electricity in the other world has a different name. Right. But it's just electricity. It's nothing special. It's just wires. Well, that, yeah. But then in the movie, anything that was said in the books to be powered by electricity, or whatever they call it in the books, uh-huh. it was powered by these blue spheres of magic energy flying around. Mm. And I'm like, oh my god, just send an email to the author and ask. <laughs> <laughs> just just double check this before you throw down for the CGI budget. <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. You know, you're you wasting money. so much money by not having magic blue power spheres that weren't in the books in your movie. Actually, they look yeah. like the things that Jar Jar Binks was throwing out of the catapult. And that's <laughs> never a good thing to have in a movie. No, no, it's not. That was really stupid and never made sense. No, and they just put like five million of them in the Golden Compass movie, and it's like all you had to do was send an email to Philip Pullman and say, hey, dude, is this what you meant? And he would have written back and said, nope. Yeah. 
That's all that had to happen. You know, I mean, it's not even a real major plot point. You know, you can just call it electricity. You can leave out that whole element of the story. It it will not affect anything. And... (laughs) Like, it doesn't have... It, there's already blimps and talking bears. You don't need more spectacle. That's a good point. Uh, so we're not completely negative. Let me throw out a good one. Okay. Uh, Capote. Capote. Uh, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. It's actually an adaptation of the book about when Truman Capote wrote his book, In Cold Blood, um, which was based on a true story. Yes. Um, and it's... It's fantastic. It is perfectly done. Philip Seymour Hoffman is brilliant. As usual. Uh, I fucking love him. Well, he's great, yeah. always. But yeah, Capote, great movie. and uh, Great spe- adaptation. Speaking of great adaptations that uh-huh. play with reality and put famous character actors in the lead role, uh-huh. American Splendor. Haven't seen that. Great. Oh my god. It's uh, Paul Giamatti as Harvey Picar. But it's also Harvey Picar as Harvey Picar, and they switch between the real guy and the actor, and they do interview segments, and there are animated segments based on the comics. Uh huh. And it all comes together way better than it should. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I love that movie. I advocate for that movie. Everyone else has forgotten it. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, off and, my radar, uh, but okay. Actually, speaking of weird movies from that time, uh-huh. what the hell? I also like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, based on uh, Chuck Barris's memoir of being or hallucinating being a CIA assassin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen that one either. Host of the Gong Show. <laughs> <laughs> Says or possibly believes he was an assassin hired by the CIA. George Clooney directed the movie. <laughs> We need to bring back the gong show. He wanted to use no CGI, and so there's a whole bunch of crazy practical effects where sets move around to do split screens. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> awesome. Underrated film. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. <clears throat> See, that's what I, that's the thing. I love adaptations of books about real stuff that might not have actually happened. A book about Capote writing about his book, and then a movie based on that. Right. Or a movie based on a guy writing comics about himself. Or a movie based on a guy writing a book about shit that might not have happened. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, as as much of a dickish fucking, you know, pretentious coffeehouse guy thing to say, uh-huh. I think adaptations work better when they are allowed to kind of get meta and play with the differences between film and book and all that, you know? I mean, if they're done well. Yeah. Though, like, uh, uh, there was, uh, I, it, it had, uh, what's his face in it? Um, gonna need more. Um, it was the, the, uh, the film was actually called Adaptation. Oh, I like that movie. Shut up. And it was, well, I, I, I a lot of people like it. Yeah. And I just find it, I don't know, it, it was unappealing to me because it's all over the place. Yeah. I and think, I felt like it was trying to do the meta thing too much. I feel like it could have gotten a lot weirder, actually. It, well, in, yeah. maybe that's the problem is it hedges its bet. Yeah. Because it's it's too weird, but not weird enough. Yeah. 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 It, do, it does. Like, there there's some something about that film I find fundamentally unappealing. Yeah. And I can't, yeah, that's what I can't figure out. It's too weird or it's not weird enough. Well, anyway, I'm going to throw down for worst adaptation of all time to take us out. Okay. Breakfast of Champions. I haven't even bothered to watch that. It is. Because I love that book. I love that book, too. That is an amazing book. Let's start with problem number one. Okay. Dwayne Hoover's wife is alive. Okay. See, if you're not even going to try, then... 
and uh, put the script down. Albert Finney plays Kilgore Trout, which seems like perfect casting. Uh huh. I don't know if they only had him for one day or what. He is not in it enough. Uh. And then Dwayne Hoover is played by fucking Bruce Willis. What? And he's in it way too much. What the fuck? Did they? Yeah. Did they? Did the the screenwriter even read the book? You know, I wonder. Is it? They is, change a lot. Is it like Congo, where the guy who wrote the script didn't like read it? I feel like he was briefed, and maybe he flipped through it and looked at some of Vonnegut's illustrations. Because Breakfast of Champions is not a formulaic novel, nor is it an easy book to adapt. It's an, I would say, impossible to adapt. It is, it, I mean, because a lot of it has to do with the author's relationship with the reader. Yeah, he's the, talking to the reader. It's, it's not, he's not just yeah. telling a story. It's the author in conversation with the reader. Yeah, and addressing the reader as though he knows nothing. This is like intended as a story that could theoretically be told to an alien. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like, you don't have to be from Earth to understand, that, to get that novel. Because the book explains so much. The whole book is about explaining itself. Yeah. You know, it, and it, it constantly is popping up visual aids or going off on these long tangents about society on Earth. And it, yeah, and it's a beautiful, like, kind of, kind of, of poetry of, of highlighting absurdity that yeah. we all are just used to. Or taking a break from the story to give the length and girth of every male character's penis. Yeah, it's a, it, 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 yeah. Just read that book. I haven't it's even really s- worth the read. It's, uh, absolutely, yeah. I haven't even seen that film, and I don't really intend to. You shouldn't. It's very bad. Yeah, I can't imagine how it could be not bad. It. You're correct to not imagine that. Yeah, because it's very bad. Right. Yeah. No, that takes my my trophy for worst literary adaptation of all time. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. And then all the ones we like are all tied for first for best. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. Whatever. Um, (laughs) So, uh, Uh, I think that's uh, the end of this one. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good too. My ego is satisfied. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was something else I was going to say. Wizard People. Oh, Wizard People's awesome. Uh, I was just going to say, iRobot, piece of shit. Piece of shit. Cool collection of intertwined short stories by Isaac Asimov. Stupid uh, Will Smith movie. I kind of like the design for the robot, but I don't like anything it or anyone else does. Correct. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about Wizard People? Wizard not, People's, not really. Wizard People rules. Wizard People, dear reader, it's an alternate soundtrack for the first Harry Potter movie. Get it. Yeah. It keeps alive an ancient storytelling tradition. Where there was the version for the kids and then the raunchy version for the adults. Yeah, Brad Neely rules. Yes, he does. Okay. Check are, it out. Are we good? We are good. Uh, guys, send those topics into topicsatthebeak.org. Get at us at uh, facebook.com slash breakfastatthebeak or breakfastatthebeak.tumblr.com. Or get at us on Twitter. I am at the beak. I am at Doc Heisenberg. That's Doc with a K. And guys, thank you for the iTunes reviews. Keep writing them. We got our five-star rating. Give us a five-star rating. Fucking, you know, put us on par with all those assholes in L.A. that have showbiz connections. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. Write us an iTunes review. We need every single one of you motherfuckers to go on there and shout. When you watch Wizard People and you're so grateful to us for recommending it, maybe pay us back with an iTunes review. Yeah. That'd be great. So until next week, that's your homework. Okay. Chip, chip, chiroo.
This has been a production of the Beak Podcasting Network. Visit thebeak.org to learn more about this and other quality podcasts. Seriously, guys, so awesome.